White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider, inspired by how we made him 100 years ago with a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle. Long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. Welcome to the Razzball Prospect Podcast. Uh, big week here on the show. Not only do we have Lance, as we always have Lance, right? Lance is great. But we have Wilson Caraman joining us from Baseball Prospectus. He covers the Cal League out in the West Coast, gets some firsthand looks on a lot of these guys. I would say that his area expertise in particular are the, are the Dodgers. Uh, I have a little bit of Boston coming out there, maybe because Wilson is actually a uh, native Massachusetts guy as well, a native masshole kid as we like yeah. to say. So, uh, Wilson, welcome to the show. Let's get right into it, man. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Yeah, man. We're, we're stoked to have you on here. We're going to get into some Dodgers prospects. We are very excited. This is a pretty stacked team and stacked list, and one of those teams, when you look out a couple years down the road, I feel as though they will be competitive for a while. So, to the Padres, Diamondbacks, Rockies, and uh, the other team, who I can't even, Giants, um, I apologize <laughs> up front for, for this system. But, uh, but some All right, we don't remember. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess we don't have to talk about them. We're talking Dodgers. But uh, uh, some breaking news. Um, number one, Ralph, it's your birthday. We were recording on your birthday. Happy birthday. I feel like yes. at the end of this, I have to plug in a, a birthday song of sorts. So uh, I'll, I'll try to cue that up. <laughs> Post-editing productions uh, by yours truly here. But, uh, but Ralph, I have a question for you. What did you do to Brett Honeywell's forearm? 
I think it was the fact that I was sort of laughing at people who ranked uh, Forrest Whitley ahead of Brett Honeywell yesterday. <laughs> and so I put I put some bad juju on uh, Brett Honeywell's elbow. And, you know, I, I thought the fact that he had family relations to Mike Marshall. And if you know Mike Marshall, old time Dodgers pitching coach, this is good. I'm tying him right into the Dodgers again. Um, yeah, this guy is like, you know, the, the guru of good mechanics. Nobody will ever get hurt. That was one of the things I was buying into with Honeywell. Uh, one of the things I was so in on him besides the, all the pitch ability factor, all the pitches that he, that he, that he mixes. And, uh, you know, I, I made it a point to see him when he was out here in Pawtucket last year, even though he got slammed for like eight runs and Rizmi Castillo was hitting bombs off of him. But that's a completely different story. It was like his worst start of his career, of course, because I, I brought my son there to see the great Brett Honeywell. And that's exactly what happens. And so once again, because nothing good happens on my birthday, Brent Honeywell uh, strains his forearm. I have my fingers in the air right now because that typically leads to Tommy John surgery or P PRP or PCP or whatever the hell he's going to turn to. But it sounds like Forrest, Forrest Whitley was apparently the one that could potentially be on PCP, though it sounds like I'm going to speculate and sounds like it was an Adderall uh, situation there. Um, but both unfortunate things. Dark days around... Uh, prospect arms, and I guess it's it's appropriate that we have a a baseball prospectus guy here because uh, they are obviously famous for the uh, expression "there's no such thing as a pitching prospect," and apparently that held true over the last two days. Absolutely, Wilson. Are you worried about either of these? I mean, you can't really be worried about Whitley's suspension. It's non-performance enhancing, from what I understand. So, I mean, take that with a grain of salt. Whatever it is, you know, we had Alex Reyes. I think was suspended last year, or the year before, for for marijuana use, and he went down with Tommy John. So. Uh, you know, this I feel like this stuff happens every year. We get we get a batch of this every year, and it's just unfortunate we have it on two of the top arms. But with uh, with Honeywell, particularly Wilson, are you worried at all? Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you hear the dreaded forearm strain, I mean that's that's absolutely a precursor to some gnarly stuff. You know, at at, at best you're looking at an extended rehab and uh, hoping that it doesn't require surgery and it's just a precautionary thing at this point. They'll shut them down for what four weeks or so. You know, make sure you get on the other side of it, and then it's kind of touch and go for probably the rest of the season at this point, if you're holding him in a dynasty league, I mean, you know, even if he comes back and looks relatively healthy on the back end of this, you're still going to have trouble getting fair value for him. If you're looking to move him and if you're holding him, it's uh, much more of a, much more of a dodgy prospect than it was certainly this morning. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's tough too, with the valuation on guys like this, because I mean, as you're saying, like, this is always going to linger around him. It's probably going to take a year and a half to two years before people forget about it to some extent. And it's always going to be tagged on his value. You know, you're going to see him dropping some prospect prospect lists. If people redo them real time, et cetera. And it's tough, but I mean, these guys are, are top prospects and it's just, I mean, as, as baseball perspective says, as Ralph kind of alluded to there, you know, you guys say there's never any such thing as a pitching prospect and that's because they're just so volatile. You know, we look at a lot of these top 100 lists and we often see that pitching prospects as a whole are generally ranked too high. And I think this is just kind of a, a you know, reaffirmation of that to some extent. And it's, it's a bummer really. And, you know, another guy who left his start uh, coming up on the draft season as we head around to Jimmy and Ralph will be doing a lot of draft stuff. Ethan Hankins is one of the top prep arms. Really, really good run on his fastball. That's what he's kind of known for. One of the better pitches in the draft as a whole. He left his start last weekend, I believe, with a shoulder issue. So um, I heard he's probably down for a week or two, and then they're going to try to ramp him back up. So, man, just a tough week on the pitching landscape. It's, mm. it's rough. But, uh, I mean, if you look out at the Dodgers system here, the top of the list is headlined by Walker Bueller, who is a Vandy arm, college-polished, 
kind of flew through the minor league system, has two breaking balls that have shown plus at, at times. And, you know, he pitched a little bit last year, 98 on his fastball average velocity via fan graphs for a lot of his, his innings last year, 92 on the slider, 84 on the curveball, And, you know, two big breaking ball pitchers like this, I want to pass this to Wilson to kind of talk through. Um, I feel like you don't really get too many looks at two breaking ball guys like this, where both pitches are legitimate and both pitches, you know, he's willing to use in a relief role, a, a decent percentage of the time, even if the one or two, one or the other doesn't kind of fill out as much, you know, but in a starter role, Wilson, do you think he needs a change up to be successful? Well, he's got, he's got a baseline for one and his front end stuff is just so filthy that it makes up for a lot of it. Like you can, you can keep left-handers off of your fastball by mixing up your two uh, hooks. Right. And he's got enough movement and enough depth and enough velocity on both of those offerings. And they have unique shapes that it's not like you can track one and know if you were expecting the slider, you can adjust the curve there. There's enough separation there that it's three legitimate pitches that you have to be able to track and keep in your bar in your brain as a hitter, uh, in any given context. So it's, it's enough given the quality there. I mean, the, 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 the thing on, on Bueller has always been the durability. He's a smaller guy. Um, he doesn't have that kind of big moose durability frame that you like to see in a frontline starting pitcher. Uh, obviously, there are plenty of examples littered throughout history of, of smaller guys succeeding in the role. Um, you know, Pedro being the goat of that of that archetype, but. It's it's a thinner margin for error for sure, and you you know you worry about a guy like him lasting over the course of 25, 30, 35 starts a year, uh, and the toll that that's going to take on you when you get down to September and October, you know, championship caliber innings. Um, that's going to be a tag that he wears until he shows that he doesn't deserve it anymore. Um, I think the Dodgers, you know, were were ambitious with him last year, trying to break him into the bigs, and you know turn him into that kind of late, late emerging in the season, potential dynamite bullpen arm for their run. And it just didn't work out. He didn't have the command when he got to, to the bump in Chavez ravine to be able to justify a spot on the postseason roster. I saw him throw twice in, in Dodger stadium and it just wasn't there. Like he, he, his stuff was fine. The, the, the ball was moving. His fastball was lit but he wasn't able to control it against the best hitters in the world. And he got, he got tuned up a little bit there. Uh, so it was a nice, it's a nice greeting by major league hitters for him. I, I don't worry about that impacting him long-term, but I do worry about his ability to, to stay on the bump and on the field uh, for a full season. Uh, obviously with the way that the game is going and, and starters increasingly not, you know, put in the position to face hitters a third time through the order and innings by and large decreasing for, for starters overall. That's not as big of an indictment as it may have been even three, four five years ago. Um, but it's still something that, you know, is it, it should be in the, the minds of everybody that's trying to think about him in, in a dynasty valuation as is this guy really going to be at his peak somewhere there in the, in the top 10 of starting pitchers where you do still kind of need that separation. You need that ability to go deeper into games and that ability to run deeper into the season. Um, and you know, he, he might get there, but uh, the odds are a little bit longer with somebody with his frame and uh, his injury history for sure. Yeah. And if you're going to knock this list at all, that's kind of one of the things as you're talking about right there, Wilson, where 
you know, a lot of these, as the, the trend of the major leagues as a whole is going more towards this kind of don't get to the third time through the lineup because you're, you're, your peripherals are just going to blow up, et cetera. And, you know, th- that's why Walker Bueller's kind of thrown, I think, from what I remember looking at his game log, he had a couple stretches where he went like two, three innings and threw, you know, middle relief, kind of that weird Davinsky-style role that I, I know that kind of blew yeah. up last year that everyone's been looking at. And it's tough to understand kind of where these guys are going. And if you're going to knock the Dodgers system off, they have so much depth at the major league level and through the minor leagues in terms of arms that, you know, aren't too far off. They aren't young, young arms. They're not in rookie ball. They're not very recently drafted, et cetera. They're guys that, you know, in the next year or two could probably contribute. I'm talking about Mitchell White. You know, I'm talking about Dennis Santana and some of these other guys, Yadier Alvarez, even, even Dustin May is probably a little bit further off. But these are a lot of arms, and it's almost like with them, pick your poison, you know take one of these guys and make them a starter then the others try to really get them down to two pitches let them face an order once or twice and then at the end of the day you'll end up with a couple good kind of middle relievers that can throw two or three innings and combo those up and next thing you know you're throwing three three pseudo starters a game and getting through nine innings but uh but ralph what are your impressions of walker bueller as a whole do you like his two breaking balls kind of where do you see this going long term i think i'm a little bit more aggressive on him overall i would say i think that I like him as a starter going forward, and I think that he's relatively unique in how he uses both of his breaking balls, and I like that a lot. He's got a really athletic delivery. It's a whippy arm. I like it, and I'm always impressed by the velo he gets from his mechanics. But, uh, Ralph, what are your thoughts overall on Bueller? Yeah, I think, you know, what? <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, once again, I think you guys sort of hit the nail on the head with everything with Bueller here. Uh, I like the easy velo. You know, I like the fact that, you know, he, he actually, coming back from Tommy John surgery, actually added a few ticks onto the fastball as well. Um, the knock has always been health. That's always what the concern has been, which is what worries me with the Dodgers who typically like this 10 day DL games that they play. they seem to like a deeper rotation. It almost felt like they had a six or seven man rotation at times last year. And it wouldn't shock me if for the first couple of years of his professional, you know, his major league career, at least he has been a professional, but the first couple of years of his major league career, uh, if he did spend it in that sort of Davinsky, maybe multi-inning, you know, peacock sort of a role uh, and would allow them to, you know, maybe only go five innings with Kershaw or somebody like that, be a little bit more strategic with some of the bats they pull off of the bench. And when they pinch hit guys, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Bueller really is going to be a middle reliever for the next two to three seasons especially with some of the depth that the Dodgers have at the moment. I'd really like to see him start, but the question always sort of hangs over him. Can he be a consistent, you know, six innings, you know, stud? Because the stuff is there, but can he get through the, the lineup two to three times, you know, fully and and really dominate? Can he throw, you know, 200 innings in a season? I mean, co- he's coming off a year where he only threw 88, 88 innings, uh, at least in the minor leagues. And I think what... How many in the majors? 15, 13. I don't have the numbers in front of me at the moment, but it was under, you know, 120 innings. And this is a guy that still needs to ramp up. I think that we sort of have to check his value a little bit this year uh, in compare, you know, at least in comparison to some of the other guys that I've ranked ahead of him, like Honeywell uh, or Forrest Whitley, who now (laughs) won't be pitching. But I felt, you know, could come into the year, throw a lot more innings. I even feel like Alex Ray is coming off of uh, off of TJ probably will throw more innings than, than Walker Bueller will. But Maybe that's a bold statement. That might be a hot take. <laughs> Ralph, the hot takes early. I like it a lot. Yeah. Willie, I think, threw around doing quick math, math in my head here. I think he threw just under 100 innings, only nine at the major league level. So very, very small okay, sample. Um, but, I mean, his K-Rate's been consistent throughout the minor leagues. 
Um, I mean, but yeah, it's nine nine, and he's the major league level. You can't really draw too much from that. Um, sure. Wilson, I want to go back to you and talk a little bit higher level here, just in kind of what you've seen. So you get a lot of looks at the Dodgers, as you mentioned. You saw Bueller twice and Chavez Ravine, and you also get a lot of looks at Rancho Cucamonga, um, one of the other affiliates of the uh, uh, High A, I believe, of the Dodgers. Um, your sure. kind of general impression when you're going to watch a game and you're seeing whether it's a guy you don't know too well and you want to get some looks at him, or whether it's a guy like, you know, I don't know if you've seen Bueller or Verdugo or some of these other guys go through Rancho, but what's your kind of take? Like, what do you do differently when you're watching a minor league game than other people you know? Yeah, I mean, I have seen those guys. I, it's always a tricky thing kind of in our line of, of public prospecting work to, to balance this because the ideal scenario here, right, is that you go in cold on everybody you look at. You know, maybe you have a vague notion of a draft pedigree or something like that, but the, the the best scouting you can do is of somebody that you've never seen before and that you don't know what tools to expect or anything about their profile. You're just watching them play ball and you're making your conclusions based off of what you see. That's a tough thing to do when you are in charge of writing prospect lists and you play in deep dynasty leagues and you're trying to troll for 17-year-old Venezuelans in 30-team leagues, you know? <laughs> so there's there, there's like an inherent problem there where you're trying to like be as objective as you can. But like I know who all these dudes are for the most part when they come rolling through. <laughs> I mean, that's not true for, you know, a 30th round draft pick or whatever, somebody that's gonna top out in high end. Um, but you know, for the most part, if a guy's on a radar, I've, I've, I've heard of him through all, you know, we have a bunch of eyes in the Midwest league. I'll hear all of our internal reports from those guys. Um, and you know, just from general having a, ha- having a column focused on deep dynasty prospects and on baseball prospectus, like I need to know who all these, all these folks are. Um, so I, I th- it's a challenge that all of us kind of deal with in the, in the kind of public internet scouting community to try to try to enter into any first look, first couple of looks with as objective a mind as you can. Um, and with first rounders and with top guys and, you know, when Yadier Alvarez sits on the bump for the first time and you know that it's a big deal that he's there, it's really tough to kind of fight off those preconditions and all the the things that you've heard about them and read about them and seen video of them before. Um, that's another thing now where it's like you can go onto YouTube and find good quality scouting video of pretty much anybody in the professional ranks. Um, and so being able to block all that out and just kind of objectively observe what you're looking at in front of you and how a guy's moving on the field and what his stuff is doing and how his swing looks and all that, uh, I think is a challenge that's, that's sort of unique to our little niche of the, the baseball watching and scouting community. Um, mm-hmm. but Absolutely. It, it just, yeah, I mean, just within that, I, I think trying to trying to just watch a guy in space and watch how he kind of moves around and watch how his physicality progresses through a game and see him in different situations, how he moves, how he reacts to the ball. Um, all, you know, all those things are, are sort of a, a first step towards forming your own evaluation. I think it's really critical that you approach that with as open mind uh, as you can possibly muster. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. That, that's really interesting. Um, I, I, I think we'll save. I wanted to hear your takes on some non-Dodger prospects that you really enjoyed, but I think we'll save that for later. We'll leave that as a little tidbit for later in the show. I want to transition to Alex Verdugo, who both of you have number two on your list. I, I did not mention that we are kind of. I have a queued up right in front of me here. Ralph and Wilson's list. Wilson gave me a little bit of an adjusted one from the baseball perspectives one to kind of tailor it a little bit more towards fantasy. So I'll rattle off both their top fives right now. Ralph has Bueller one, Verdugo two, Mitchell White three. Kiebert Ruiz, four, and Starling Heredia, five. Wilson has Bueller, one, and Verdugo, two, so they agree on that. And then at three, Wilson has Kiebert Ruiz, and four is Jaron Kendall. Um, and five, I believe you have, I think I might have written this down wrong because I have Kiebert Ruiz twice, and there are not two Kiebert uh, Ruiz. Uh, <laughs> I, I just nailed Diaz. There we go. You just nailed Diaz, five. And uh, so interesting mix here, but before we get into some of the deviations between your lists, let's touch on Verdugo himself. Uh He's one of these guys who, as a whole, is a pretty good approach. He's never really had massive K problems. He's got a pretty interesting and unique swing from my perspective, too, in the video I watched to him and what I kind of saw in a very small sample of his major league at-bats. Um, it's an interesting build of momentum. He kind of starts open, closes off, and then kind of there's not really a, a heavy drawback. It's more like just a slow build towards the ball, and he, he explodes pretty hard. The one comp I thought on his swing path that came to mind when I started watching him is, oddly enough, Miguel Montero. I'm not sure how spot on that is from like a, a lower half load standpoint, but overall, I, I, I saw that in his swing a little bit and just kind of how he follows through in his bat path. But, uh, but Verdugo as a whole, um, Wilson, let's go back to you quick. I'm just shunning Ralph here. It's birthday boy. So uh, <laughs> well, give <laughs> you me your have thoughts. have a birthday, Greg. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> give me your thoughts on Verdugo and if you saw him at all and what your impressions were of him. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a guy, I only got a very limited look at him because he was only at Rancho for a few weeks there and then they jumped him right up above. Um, but he, he stood out right away in his batting practice and just watching him take licks in games too. He, you, you're dead on with the assessment of his swing. It's a very, very fluid swing. He uses his momentum and his balance very effectively to get to the ball quickly. Um, very, very, very strong forearms and, and wrists that really whip the barrel through the zone with good hand-eye coordination backing it up. He's a very good contact hitter. Um, I've, I've seen very plausible sevens hung on his hit tool. Uh, I, I didn't see enough of it to, to be able to validate that myself. I only saw about four games of him. Um, but he, he had the fundamentals for that kind of situation um he does not strike out very much he makes good contact you know he's a very young hitter who's gotten by on on natural talent all the way up the ranks pretty much um so the approach is a little bit more aggressive in the zone he hasn't kind of quite learned how to take tough strikes yet and wait for the next one um it's that kind of next level of of advancing through your your hitting acumen that he's got you know, ahead of him at this point still. Um, but the raw hitting talent is undeniable. The one thing about him that kind of holds him back as a fantasy prospect is that he's, he's more direct to the ball. He's, he's got a shorter stroke. That's not geared to lift balls, or at least wasn't, uh, as of about a year ago, um, in today's (laughs) offensive climate, who knows if that even matters anymore. Um, but the, the thing that I've always looked for in hitters is if you're looking at Guys, if you, if you could give me a hitter and they have one six tool and one four tool between 
the raw power and the the hit tool. I'll take the six hit tool any day of the week. You can learn how to maneuver your barrel and you can learn how to get better leverage on your swing. Uh, but some of those kind of core fundamentals of hitting the hand eye and the pitch recognition and the timing and things like that that go into making a, a really strong hit tool, you, you can teach that to a point, but there's a lot of natural talent that goes in there. Um, and so, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I, I buy him from the standpoint that he's just a good fundamentally sound hitter through natural talent and given that it's the Dodgers especially and the success that they've had with some of the guys from Justin Turner on down teaching leverage and teaching how to get into the backside and create real real organic bat speed that way um, I, I, I would buy him developing power more than I would uh, some guys in other systems um, and he's a big kid he's a strong dude he's six foot and probably clear at 200 pounds so he's got some natural strength and ability to to get into him when he hits the ball on the screws um so it might take a little time for him to learn that skill set in games but i there's there's average power there um for him to get and when you pair that with a high-end hit tool you know it doesn't matter what else you do in fantasy that's going to be a valuable skill set mm-hmm. and jumping over to ralph here i remember a while back ralph that I don't know if you're lukewarm particularly on Verdugo. I'm interested in your opinion overall and kind of hearing this. But uh, I remember, I think we chatted maybe in the past about how overall for fantasy purposes, it seems like it could be at the end of the day a bit of an empty average profile. And Wilson's talking a little bit about him getting more power. I I do agree with him in saying that I'd take that six-hit tool and have him figure out the power side, especially with how much I like kind of as I was talking about his momentum build to the ball. I think that that can definitely be leveraged into 20 home run power eventually. But on fantasy terms here, Ralph, are you concerned at all? This is just kind of an empty average at the end of the day. Yeah, I think the struggle with Verdugo is that I think he's going to be up in the major league sooner rather than later because of how good his defense is. I mean, this guy has, you know, a, a legit arm. He's an excellent outfielder. Yeah. Gets really good jumps in the ball. I mean, anything that you've watched from him, you know, in the minors, uh, you know, with the MILB package to, you know, even his tape in spring training. I can remember, you know, sitting down during a family dinner or something in an Arizona uh, Dodgers game was on it was spring training last year in the middle of March and he made an unbelievable play in the outfield, but he made it look effortless. And I think that's one of the reasons that he's going to get up. He's going to get an opportunity. So I think this could be the kind of player that the first two years of his career offensively aren't necessarily going to be indicative of the production. You're going to see year three, four, five, as he starts to progress, you know, as a hitter, terms of his eye, he has those baseline skills um, in terms of his bat to ball his eye, as you said, he doesn't strike out a lot. It's just a matter of him not going like the Mikel Franco direction where he doesn't strike out a lot. He has good bat-to-ball skills, but he doesn't overuse that. He figures out sort of, you know, what pitches to hit. That's the point that I think he starts to tap into more of his raw power. And if you look at his swing now, there's a lot of moving parts to it, but he, but he makes it work and it's fluid and he gets really good bat speed. And that tells me that he's somebody that can sort of, handle a couple of more complex parts of his of his mechanics and still make it work like I think that's one of the things that we love about Mackenzie Gore from like the pitching side of things is that he has these complex mechanics but he's so athletic and he's so talented as a baseball player that he makes it work and I think that's what's going on with Verdugo here and I think that's why ultimately you know the hit tool will lead to more power uh, and the, the current environment, I think it, it boosts the baseline for guys like this, that you think they can make a little bit of a tweak and it's going to work a little bit more than maybe it would have in the past. I mean, 
he could follow sort of the Daniel Murphy path, though I hope it happens a lot sooner for Verdugo than it happened for Murphy. Um, there's not there's not a whole lot to say negatively about this guy at this point, other than I know some knocks that I've read in scouting reports over the years have been, you know, some effort level stuff. But personally, when I've watched games, I think it's just, you know, he, there's an there's an effortlessness to his ability with just as a baseball player that maybe feeds into that a little bit. But maybe Wilson, you know, having watched him uh, firsthand, could speak to that more than I could. That, that's absolutely right. He's a very low heartbeat player. He doesn't show much emotion on the field at all. And when you're <laughs> when you're naturally gifted and have that kind of demeanor, those two things go sort of hand in hand. Uh, I, I think you're dead on with that assessment of uh, uh, he's one of those guys that I think in, in a year or so is going to be a really good, not by low opportunity, but by a reasonable opportunity to where, yeah, maybe he comes into the major leagues and he's a solid hitter and he throws up some counting stats contextually, but that power I think is going to be the later blooming type. And that's, what's going to be the real separator. He's not a, he's not a burner by any stretch of the imagination. He's stolen some bases every year. Um, but the, the run tool is not going to be a carrier at all for him in the major leagues. He'll steal a handful of bases for you, maybe pushing 10 at the outset of a full season in his early 20s um, but it's never going to be something where he's like a big power speed combination guy um, and until that power shows up there's going to be some opportunity for you to acquire him on a longer bent of, of a dynasty rebuild say uh, and get some value there two three four years down the line it almost feels as though Verdugo to some extent is going to be a guy who we look back on in a couple years and we just kind of see him as like perpetually a little bit underrated like where he has so many tools, I mean, and I'm talking like off the fantasy side here too, which is the defensive ability he has a bit of an arm. He's not, I mean, he's not a detriment in the speed category. It's just a lot of things that are sinking up and he's got a really good approach. He feels like one of those guys who's going to put up around a 300 average and do everything well, but not well enough to like be the star above Bellinger, or potentially Bueller and some of these other guys that the Dodgers have that are just, you know, they have much more pronounced specific tools, you know, even like a Puig. Like, I think it's going to be tough for Verdugo to, to outshine a Puig kind of variety player. But it's, I mean, it's the tough player, to outshine any. Yeah, for true. Anybody. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a very good point. Uh, I want to pass it back to Ralph here, actually. So one of the bigger deviations between Ralph and Wilson's list is Mitchell White. Ralph has Mitchell White at three. Wilson has Mitchell White at nine overall, I believe. So. I want to pass this back to Ralph. Give us your kind of take on Mitchell White, your thoughts on having him so high. And, uh, um, I mean, maybe not so high, but, I mean, it seems like you're buying into it, Ralph. Give us the spiel on White. Yeah, I just I, – I think he's one of these guys that not only does he miss bats, but there's just a lack of hard contact there. And, uh, you know, I had heard good things, I think, even from Wilson dating back to uh, around the time that he was drafted and just, you know, different conversations or whatever. And uh, – you know, the other thing about him, too, is he has, you know, two plus pitches, potentially three plus pitches with a fastball, another, you know, two breaking ball guy with a curveball and a slider uh, changeup isn't as developed. He doesn't certainly have the control that Walker Bueller has. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that potentially there's, you know, quite a bit of ability. Another guy that's coming off of an arm injury, too, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so he's been taking back a little bit slowly. So I guess there's there's reason to be cautious on him. But uh, with some of the other bats that are a little bit further away or somebody like you know, Ezeno Diaz, who I'm not as high on as the consensus, um, I just ultimately felt that uh, I think his ceiling was higher. And I was just sort of gambling a little bit here more on the ceiling of uh, of the player. 
and Wilson, I'm going to guess that you having him lower means that maybe you see a little more relief risk than Ralph does. Am I correct in saying that? It's a little physical risk too. Um, I mean, he's, he's incredibly athletic. Uh, he's, he's got a great physicality to him. He moves really well around like jumping off the mound to grab ground balls and stuff. And just his delivery is, is very smooth and very physical and very pleasing to watch. Um, he had Tommy John surgery in college. It was, it was a bit of a messy recovery. His innings build has been pretty slow on the back end and he came out last spring and was popping mid nineties on the regular that would, that had slid back to low nineties by, by the end of the season here. And it seems it's just remains to be seen whether he's going to be a guy that, that has the durability and has the stamina to be able to, to, to make it as a starting pitcher. Um, his <laughs> slider slash cutter, there, there doesn't seem to be any consensus about what that <laughs> pitch actually is. It's, I think it's a cutter, but it moves so much that it's just like, it's a high eighties mm. pitch and it just, it's filthy. It keeps lefties way off the barrel. Uh, so changeup development is not a big deal for him. I, I, I worry about that a lot less with him than a lot of other people. Um, but you know, it's just, I, I need to see him throw with consistent stuff over a course of a full season before I'm going to buy into a, 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 a minor league arm that has that kind of uh, red flag portfolio of, of a, a messy Tommy John recovery and just sort of a, a shallow innings ramp up in the, in the, on the back end of it. I, I, I like him a lot as a, as a pitcher. Um, I, I'm right there uh, in terms of the stuff and the capacity and the ceiling. Um, I just, I have much, a much lower risk tolerance for, for pitchers with his profile until they kind of get there. And if they do and I miss out on them, so be it, you know? Mm-hmm, absolutely. You mentioned, too, that Cutter gets down on the lefties a bit and allows him to kind of neutralize some of the natural platoon split a lot of righties have. And, and the it's issue. filthy. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing, I, I actually caught some video of him on YouTube from behind home plate. Someone took it, and I realized how well he stays closed off and closes it off his shoulders and his front foot when that kind of flies open as he goes forward and his delivery. And I thought that the slot he comes out of is really deceptive to lefties. So as far as like a, a, I mean, at the end of the day, if he's not a starter and he turns into kind of more of a relief role, I could see that being relatively effective versus both sides of the plate. I don't know how much I'd say this is like the heir apparent to Jansen. I know that there's some other buzz around guys like that, like Dustin May. I've heard some buzz like that. And even Dennis Santana too is another guy who, um, oh, yeah. you know, just, just filthy, filthy two pitches and can definitely, if they figure out his command to any extent, become a little bit more relevant on the reliever side of things. But I think I'm on the fence between whether I see Mitchell White long-term as a starter reliever. And I, I, I often end up being the, the arbitrator in these situations where I kind of fall in the middle, but I feel like I'd fall in the middle again between you two or Wilson. <laughs> I think you might think there's a little more relief risk. And then Ralph kind of likes more of a starter. It seems just based on your guys' ranks, but I I'm interested in kind of where his curveball and where his changeup goes and, you know, as you mentioned, Wilson, it's not that big of a deal on the changeup side. Righty throwing the lefty doesn't really need it too, too much of that cutter's so good. So um, I'm going to keep an eye on White going forward, though. I, I didn't I didn't actually catch as much, as much of the athleticism as you're saying, Wilson, so I definitely want to kind of keep an eye on him going forward as he jumps up through their minor league system and, and possibly can, you know, scrape the major leagues at some point. And I'm sure it'll be in a relief role just because, I mean, Bueller was a starter for most of the minor leagues, and then all of a sudden he's a reliever now, so... Um, there's so much depth on the Dodgers. That's really the main thing. And even in the outfield, too, we'll get into some of these other guys. But uh, I do want to transition quickly to a catcher who is 19 years old and has kind of flown through. If a 19-year-old can ever fly through anything <laughs> in the minor leagues for any team, and it's Kiebert Ruiz here. 
Um, switch hitting catcher. The biggest thing with him from a fantasy perspective for me is that he's really good. He stands out a ton. The fact that this kid gets up through high, I think he got at bats in double A, if I'm not mistaken, or he finished in uh, Tulsa, high right? Did he, did he go uh, in the playoffs? Rancho. He finished in Rancho. Oh, I could have sworn he had some playoff time with, with Tulsa, but I could be wrong on that. But, uh, um, but regardless, I mean, this kid is unbelievable um, uh, from what he's done from a perspective as, as a prospector and, and investment side. But uh, You're right. I just checked. You are 100% correct. You got some playoff time uh, with Tulsa. I knew it. There we go. Good call. Good there, pull. No, nice. No, it's good to clarify. I hate, I hate trying, to, trying to figure stuff out as we're, as we're recording, but uh, that's good confirmation. <laughs> so, so, okay, 19 years old. He's a catcher. He's a switch hitting catcher. He's a plus defender, and he gets up to double A. I just feel like this is almost an aligning of the stars, but at the same time, I'll pass this back to Ralph quick and just kind of get your general thoughts. We could talk through some keeper Ruiz here because I know he's, he's not really a volatile prospect, but from the fantasy side of things, you almost have to kind of assume that they have so many catchers, it seems, between Barnes, Grandal, you know, they have, uh, who's the other catcher on this list that's escaping me? Uh, Will Smith is another guy yeah. who, I mean, is a relatively good defender who doesn't have as much of a bat as Kiebert does. But I just feel like if you're investing him on the fantasy side, you have to wait a couple of years. And then at that point, if they start even tinkering and considering at all moving him to another position sure. because they don't think he could handle, you know, 100 games or even it's just the fact that maybe it's not necessary for him to handle that many games with other options. Just from an investment standpoint on the fantasy side of things, Ralph, do you knock him at all? Yeah, I think so, because now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, I almost wish I ranked Ruiz ahead of Mitchell White. But I think ultimately... I get a little worried about the profile. Um, he's sort of eerily similar to Francisco Mejia, though he's a bigger person. I mean, he's probably like 25 to 30 pounds heavier Mejia's than Francisco tiny. Mejia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Mejia's, Mejia is much smaller than you realize once you finally see him in person. And uh, so he kind of fits that profile, though. He's an advanced, you know, sort of teenage catching prodigy that hits from both sides of the plate. Um, his right-handed swing is pretty raw. Yeah. If you if you've watched a lot oh of tape goodness. on it, the left handed the left handed side of things is definitely where you know he, he you know sort of makes his bones. But he's coming along. He's definitely taking some more aggressive cuts uh, from that side. From from what I watched, just watching BP and like any tape I could watch of him, um, and his receiving seems to be pretty good. It looks like he's probably going to stick behind the plate, at least from from what I've seen and from what I've read in some scouting reports because I didn't watch every game with Ruiz, but. Uh, from what I've heard, and maybe Wilson can confirm this, he started to elevate and add a little bit more loft to his swing toward the end of the year, which would be great if he can tap into a little bit more power. But uh, anytime you're talking about a kid who's playing in full season ball, who's you know 19 years old, doesn't turn 20 until July. So he entered the year as his age 18 season. It's insane. And he slashed 316, 361, 452 with you know eight homers and 51 RBIs and was catching. That's that's pretty great. Uh, and obviously the, the Dodgers have some faith in this guy. Um, but it's always tough with, tough with catchers because you just wonder how much it dings their value, you know, how else they're going to get into the lineup. He's obviously in a National League organization, so you know, unlike somebody like Gary Sanchez, where uh, on his days off maybe he can DH, mm-hmm. that's not going to be the case for Ruiz. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's tough to invest in these guys, but uh, of the catching prospects, he is one of uh, you know a hand less than a handful of guys that are you know top 100 worthy in my uh, opinion. 
Oh, absolutely. I think you have to slot him in the top 100 just because of the pure skills there, especially, I mean, fantasy or real life. Real life, I think you can kick him up a little bit just because it's, it can, he can stick a catch. I feel like one of the concerns we often bring up with guys who are catching prospects is whether they can stick there, and especially as you're talking about with Sanchez and the AL, it's a matter of, well, he just ends up becoming a DH and non-factor on defense, et cetera. But, uh, but you mentioned briefly, Ralph, that um, his swing is relatively different, different from the left side and right side. This is something that jumped out to me. 100% when I was watching him in video. Uh, you, you, I thought you were relatively generous in saying his right-handed swing is raw. I don't like it almost at all compared to his left-handed uh. swing. It's a little bit grotesque to me, honestly. It stands out. It's it's not really <laughs> athletic. There's really no lower body. It's a little bit just kind of shoulders at the ball. Um, I mean, he's good enough to make contact and survive with it, but for me, I mean, it just seems relatively obvious that they'll be able to find almost a platoon partner for him and just not let him face left-handed pitching, which can drag down some playing time, et cetera. I know we're probably looking at a little bit too far ahead. And again, this kid's 19. Like, I trust him entirely to probably make some adjustments on that side. But, I mean, you comp the swings back-to-back. I like his left-handed swing substantially, substantially more. And I'm interested, Wilson, if you agree with this at all. It's Yeah, I mean, the, what you just said about the shoulders and the lower half is, is very much the case. It's sort of a throw-the-bat-at-the-ball yeah. kind of scene mm-hmm. on the right side. And he makes it work a little bit because he's got good natural bat-to-ball abilities and it's a flat swing, so it's in the zone a good amount. But I, I was not particularly impressed with where that swing is right now um i i am incredibly impressed with where he is overall right now i mean he just you don't see you don't see and like this isn't particularly fantasy relevant but you don't see catchers in high a who have the wrist strength and the acumen to frame balls the way that he can at the bottom of the zone. Um, it's, you know, you'll, you'll see 22, 23 year old catchers that can do that, but not just turn 19 year olds. Um, so he's got a good defensive baseline there. That's going to keep him moving up the ladder, regardless of what his bat does. Um, but the, what, what, what he showed and the ability to adjust within at bats and, and things along those lines, uh, in, in the left-handed batter's box is, is not something that's very common at high A at all. Um, he's getting a lot of press this this offseason very justly. He had an excellent season last year. Um, in terms of fantasy value, I just like catching prospects just give me the heebie-jeebies, man, because you <laughs> never know. You never know when they're going to just kind of need to stall out and focus on their defense or when the bat's going to take a backseat for a while or whatever. Like the the, the there's no linear norm for them <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. He, ones that crush the ball at high a at 19 like he could very well head up to tulsa next year and hit 240 for the first half you know i mean that's true for all prospects of course but like there's just so much more going on in the development path of the catcher that that banking on them translating production at higher levels or even the 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 same level over sustained periods is is that much riskier um, and when you're dealing with a team like the Dodgers, that's so analytical and so like into maximizing, you know, putting their players in the best positions to succeed and the like, like full-time playing 
uh, gigs at the major league level are just that much harder to come by, especially for catchers. Like they have, they have the great problem to have right now of two of the best catchers in baseball on their oh, roster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're set up that way for the foreseeable future with these athletic kids that they've been drafting recently. Like Will Smith is a great young catching prospect. He's like uh, six, seven on any other list. It feels, you know, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. He's not as awesome offensively. He's incredibly fluid and athletic behind the dish. He's going to be a great defensive catcher. Um, and Ruiz is more bat than than defense, but he's got a good glove too. You know, so in two three years, when both those kids are are legitimately ready, you're going to be right back in the same position with them. Um, so I, I think banking on him, in addition to like overcoming all the hurdles that inherently go with being a catching prospect, on top of that within the system that he's in right now and having to take that into consideration, it does ding its fantasy value. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I want to stick with you, Wilson, here. Your number four prospect. So we just hit the top three there. Kiebert is four for Ralph with Mitchell White above him at three. Wilson goes Kiebert Ruiz at three. And then he goes to Jaron Kendall at four, which I thought was a relatively interesting rank of him. I actually saw him out in Indiana this summer. They were playing with um, the Loons against the Tin Casters, the Padres, able team. I saw Murray home pitch and Tatis play, and I happened to see Kendall there and Gavin Lux. And uh, and Kendall was interesting because I, I saw him during the draft season, particularly because he was a Vandy hitter, which you you know you often hear the Vandy pitchers are the ones that kind of stand out. But from a hitting perspective, what they kind of did to his swing really early last season to kind of adjust him back, like they they obviously are trying to get him into a little bit more power, and the carry jumped up a lot, but. You watch his swing in Vandy, and I don't think I've ever seen less movement in a swing in my entire life. It is literally just, (laughs) he just swings. Like, there's literally no motion anywhere in his body. And then they open up his stance a little bit. They start moving his hands a little bit, give him some more momentum into the ball. And he starts looking a little bit more interesting. But I still think there's a lot of mechanical tinkering to go on. And your rank of him at four is almost to me suggesting that you think that he's athletic enough and he has enough kind of just intangible ability, possibly on the glove side, because I think there are some rumors he could definitely stick in center. So you think that the combination of all this along with the kind of mechanical adjustments that he eventually, I believe, will make, does this make him the top five prospect on this list or a top five prospect on this list for you, Wilson? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. You always bet on athletes and especially smart athletes. And he's a kid that went to a great school. He's got a great reputation for being uh, a baseball rat. Uh, and just the, the sheer physicality that dude is awesome. Uh, he's a 70 runner. He's got borderline plus raw power already. Um, and he's not physically mature entirely yet. So there's, there's a lot of raw material to work with. And you want to talk about a system that's geared to maximize that potential. It's the LA Dodgers. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think he's ever going to develop into being a great hitter, but with that secondary skill set, with those underlying tools there, you don't need him to be, you know, if he can hit 250 in the major leagues with that kind of power and that obscene speed, that's an incredibly valuable fantasy player, especially in today's context. Um, he's a couple of years away. It's going to take some doing. There's going to be some strikes and gutters along the way. It's not going to be all pretty, um, but 
it, you know, he's, he's in a perfect place to, to maximize his potential. Um, and I expect that through those growing pains over the next couple of years, he'll get to some semblance of a, a workable swing. He'll get to some consistency. And when he does, those raw tools are some of the best, certainly in this system and arguably in the national league. I mean, he was, he was for my money, the most athletic player in last year's draft class. And that's a, that's a great spot to start. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, that is some high praise for Jaron. Uh, I want to jump back to Ralph now and kind of see if if his opinion overall of, the, of, of Jaron is a little bit different from Wilson's and just the fact that you have him nine on this list, Ralph, behind Edwin Rios and Yusniel Diaz and DJ Peters and some other guys. So are you kind of devaluing the fact that and maybe at the end of the day he's more of a, a speed commodity on the fantasy side? Or do you kind of see these adjustments coming forward that Wilson might be suggesting and just betting on the athlete as a whole, Ralph? Yeah, I just think there were just, uh, you know, a handful of players that I just felt were a little bit safer. I feel like Edwin Rios is, you know, like incredibly underrated, as a, at least as a fantasy prospect. Yeah. Now, I don't think he's ever going to start for the Dodgers, but I think he'll end up someplace and, you know, be a, a relatively relevant hitter because the guy can hit. Um, nope. I could be wrong. He could be a quad A guy. I know there's a lot of people that feel that way. And I and I have a I have a crush on Sterling Heredia that I'm sure we'll get into oh, yes. uh, in a little bit. And the same thing with like DJ Peters. And and for me, like I, I feel like DJ Peters came into Pro Ball a more polished player than Jaron Kendall. He just came from less of a pedigree program. You know, he came from you know a, a program I believe that doesn't even exist anymore in like whatever Nevada. Uh, community college he played at, but I'm serious. I'm not kidding. I think I, I don't think it actually exists really? any longer. Wow. I think they ended the baseball program after his year there. Oh, uh, look that up though. You'd have to confirm that before we talk about him. But <laughs> as for Kendall, like he's just he's a raw college player, and and with these guys that have these unbelievable skill sets, I just get a little bit nervous with the strikeout rate. I know that he was very efficient on the bases. Uh, uh, you know, during his time, you know, in, in, in Vanderbilt, but he wasn't uh, in, in pro ball at Great Lakes. I think he got caught like eight times out of yeah. uh, out of 13 attempts. That's awful for a guy with that sort of pedigree. So I, I get worried that maybe maybe I've been jaded by Corey Ray last year and how high I think everybody <laughs> was on him. And we, we he was the best athlete in the draft, too. Um, so I guess I'm just a little bit more cautious with Jaron Kendall. Now, that being said, as soon as he got drafted by the Dodgers, his value went up significantly. So um, I could be underrating him a little bit. I guess I'm just a little bit more cautious on Kendall. And, I, and maybe it's not for any other reason than I just feel like there's some things that needed to be tweaked. I know that I've read that instructional league, they made some tweaks to, to his setup, where his hands were, some of that sort of stuff. So uh, the Dodgers being the player player development machine that they are with the money that they have to hire, uh, you know, the, the, the level of talent in terms of you know, playing a vet, player evaluators and, and then just, you know, development guys, um, it can go a long way. And potentially Kendall ends up on the other side as a very relevant fantasy guy with, you know, uh, I guess mid teens pop and, you know, 25 plus steel speed. And, and this today in today's game, that's, that's a very valuable player. Mm-hmm. And sticking with you, Ralph, I want to I want to go over this crush of Starling Heredia here because I think I'm a Pitbull. little bit leaning on the uh, <laughs> yeah Pitbull is right. I I, uh, I think I have a little bit of a thing for him going as far as the upside and, and what I kind of I see. But I want I want to go with your take on him first, Ralph, and then we'll go to mine and then we'll go to Wilson. So so lay it on us. Give us the, the yeah. primer. Uh, I just love the, the you know he's he's kind of maxed out in terms of his body already, but he's just a big bodied kid. And he packs a ton of punch in the bat, lightning bat speed already. 
his hands have been described as as thunderous and just powerful. He's quick through the zone. Um, big leg kick, you know. I, I don't. I kind of don't mind that. I think there's some things that some tweaks that need to be made. They've they've made some some tweaks in terms of where his setup was with his hands. If you look at some of his amateur video versus some of the stuff that you saw last year, uh, I know that in the AZL he absolutely crushed when he was brought up to the next level. He struggled a little bit, but I think ultimately there's a lot of skills there offensively, and he's a much better runner than you would realize. I mean, this guy actually gets down the line pretty quickly. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's maybe it's a little bit of the Latin flavor, the Cuban flavor that I like with Heredia, but um, he he is a he's a very interesting player. Yeah, I, I am kind of falling in love with him to some extent. No, he's Dominican. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a Yusniel Diaz is I believe the Cubans. He probably just mixed yeah, them up. I, so, <laughs> yeah, a good mistake. Yeah, that's yeah, understandable. But Heredia for me, you mentioned in the leg kick a little bit rough. I was actually watching some tape of him back in April of 2016. And the lower half is really inconsistent in what you're talking about. There's a really big leg kick that kind of goes on and off as far as, like, where he is in the count from what I was trying to tell. It was, like, a probably a backfield game, so I, don't, I couldn't really tell what the ump was signaling as far as the count, et cetera. But it was really inconsistent. And then what they did when I saw some tape of him in August 2017 is they made him a lot more consistent in his lower half. But I can't say that I like it. And one of the odd reasons that I really like him is because I think that the ultimate end point for him is a balance of those two, is a balance of the big leg kick and a balance of what they have him going with, which is a little bit more simple of a, of a kind of setup and uses his kind of upper body and his frame a little bit better um, in generating some power. But he's hit regardless is, the, is another really good point. Like wherever he goes, he's hit. And that is impressive to me, especially when I kind of watched that initial tape of him back in April 2016. I can't say I love this swing, but then you see the results and you're like, well, something he's doing works, so if they just keep tinkering, I like going forward with it. And, yeah, I think the, the other thing that kind of stood out to me is when you see his frame, you don't expect him to be a good runner at all. He almost reminded me a little bit of, like, Juan Uribe. <laughs> and I was just looking at him. I was like, ah, oh, there's yeah. no way. Late, he's late, like, career, late, late career, career Juan yeah. Uribe. I was like, exactly. there's no way he's better than, like, a 30, 40-grade speed. And then you see that I've seen it at 50 and obviously deteriorate over time as he ages. But it's a really nice kind of upside play, I think, in a fantasy league if you're going deep into, like, a – a draft of any sort and he's sitting around. I, I like him. I really like him and just kind of his long investment. You know, he's young. He's, it's not something that is going to turn around as quick as an Edwin Rios is where you could probably get, he's probably going to get some at bats in 2018 as we come through this season, whether it be in a platoon role, et cetera, whatever. But uh, this is an investment and it's an investment I think could pay off really nicely if, if he kind of finds this balance in the lower half is, is the main thing that I'm focused on and watching him going forward. And I don't think this is kind of the end product is the main thing I want to say. And Wilson, uh, complete the trifecta of Heredia love here, I'm hoping. Uh, you have him a little <laughs> bit lower, 11 overall on your list. But uh, um, I feel like to some extent you're going to agree there is some upside stashed away in him. He's, he's a big, beefy Dominican slugger. I'm all in. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he looks like Juan Uribe already, and he's like 19. I'm, I'm totally all in on that, dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, he's he's risky as anything. He's he's just a big ball of what ifs at barely low A. So I I don't want to get too excited until we start to see him evolve a little bit as a hitter. Um, but you know I I I I'm a sucker for that profile. I'm into it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And another guy who's relatively similar as far as is kind of this you know power bat that maybe doesn't have as much upside, but a little more proximity to the major leagues is dj peters who both of you have number six on your list here um he's six six 
so we're combining all the sixes here, and uh, I feel like we're Iron Maiden and Number of the Beasts. So I'm going to throw that back there because I enjoy some old classic rock. But uh, but DJ Peters is six six. Um, I like DJ Peters overall, but I don't think that K Ready is ever going to go away. And to me, to some extent, that's probably going to limit what we're talking about in terms of upside here. But um, I, I I have to say, I I'm still kind of wondering if this turns into like a 30 plus 32 ish K rate at the major level, or if he can hover around like a 28 ish, you know, like we've seen some other guys we've talked through a lot of yeah. systems where lower in the minor leagues, we see really high K rates and we kind of wonder if those are even out or if they'll start upticking. But for Peters, it's more just trying to figure out what the consistency is. You know, I watched a, a bit of tape of him. He had a home run off Madison Bumgarner I, for a six, six frame. When you watch him from just, classic behind the pitcher view you know broadcast view of him he doesn't really look 6'6 and I was actually kind of impressed with his plate coverage which is something I didn't really think because he was one of the guys where I actually saw the stats before I started watching the tape as we kind of go back to what Wilson was saying about trying to do the opposite when you're scouting a guy for the first time even if it's video live whatever you want to say but uh um I, I try to watch video first and then go to the stats and see if my assumptions are relatively correct but with Peters I went the other way and you know, I, I was a little bit impressed, and I think that kind of happens with some guys where I just think he has a little bit better play, play coverage than I anticipated him to have with this high of a strikeout rate. But uh, but both of you have met six. I, I'm interested to see if it, this is more of a proximity kind of floor thing or if you actually think there's a legitimate upside here. And, and there's so many outfielders in this system. I'm going to pass this back to Wilson here, but there's so many outfielders in the system. It's You can't almost project any of these guys to have a starting role. So it almost turns to me in figuring out is the impact that this guy can have relevant enough to be fantasy relevant with potentially 100 to 120 games and a, you know, a Scott fan slikish kind of role where he could become relevant? Um, Wilson, your thoughts on DJ Peters here? Uh, I saw him all year. Uh, he, <laughs> the, the, the lazy and obvious comp for him is Jason Worth. Um, he's, <laughs> he looks like him. He's got the same exact frame. He's got the same exact size. He's got the same exact flowing, flowing locks out the back of the helmet, uh, the whole kind of package there. But like the thing that's cool about him is he's definitely got holes in his swing. You can beat him with velocity up. You can get him to chase uh, breaking stuff mm-hmm. down. But he's very good at cleaning the slate out after every pitch and refocusing and getting himself back into the moment on the next one. Um, That was an area that he grew really, really noticeably over the course of the season. You know, he would get beat on a pitch uh, very badly on one hand and then turn right back around and rip a ball right back up the middle. His exit velocities were some of the best in the California League. He had arguably the best playable power potential uh, in the entire league all year. Um, When he gets extended on a ball, he, he can do some serious damage to it. And he did that at a good clip last year. Um, it's, it's not the prettiest of, of things to watch. And so far as there are a lot of ugly swings, there's just, there, there are some fishing expeditions there. Uh, he'll swing through some fastballs in the zone and you're like, huh? And then he'll turn around on the next one and rip it back 110 miles an hour through the box. Um, I, you know, I'm curious to see what happens with him at double A and triple A. Um, I, 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 I'm cautiously optimistic that he has that kind of mentality and ability to, to overcome adversity and to, to, to keep plugging away, even if he's getting beaten on two out of three pitches and, and finding his other one. Um, but it's, it's a profile that might stall 
fall out for a little bit. Um, he incidentally made some really impressive strides in center field last year um, and just developing his defensive game overall. He's got a great arm. Um, he's a guy that has the kind of tool set to, to be at worst a fourth outfielder and a very good complementary one at that uh, who brings pop into the game. He runs really well for his size. So there's a lot of different kind of paths for him to to coalesce into a, a quality major league hitter and a quality major league player uh, to where he's going to be on somebody's roster and, and contributing on the regular uh, throughout his prime. He's got enough power to make a difference and an impact in fantasy games. And I would like to point out, too, that DJ Peters and Kiba Ruiz both got spring invites from the Dodgers. So they're going to be guys that I, I'm actually interested. You know, you feel I feel like a lot of people might flip around games when they watch spring training. I'm not sure how either of you guys watch spring training, but I, I kind of yeah. tend to watch, you know, obviously the early parts to get the guys with name value, et cetera. And then, you know, as the game kind of devolves, especially early in March, you start to see a lot of these guys come in. And I'm interested to see what reps they give Ruiz and DJ Peters here and just overall getting an impression of them, even if it is against kind of, you know, minor league level pitching, et cetera, whatever. But uh, overall, you know, I, I love seeing spring training for this reason. And you get a little bit more of a, of a good visual look, you get live tape of guys like this if you don't have, like, an MILB package or whatever. But uh, um, but overall, uh, DJ Peters is interesting to me. Um, I, I'm As you were mentioning, Wilson, he kind of has some electric swings that go for the worse and for the better. And I think the ones for the better have often surprised me more just because if you see him swing through some pitches, it's like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> like I'm not shocked that all you're saying he has one of the, uh, the highest exit, average exit velos in the Cal League because – yeah, I could I could tell that from the explosion and torque he gets from that body because he's a big big guy with some pop, and I think that at the yep. end of the day that's going to show up regardless of where that K rate sits around, and he's going to get in some balls um, and hopefully produce for the Dodgers to some extent. Scott fans like Junior, maybe Jason Worth Junior. I guess we'll see. <laughs> but uh, Ralph, I do want to talk about RotoWare, who's our sponsor. So I'm going to pass it back to you. Tell tell the people. Yeah, I was going to say there's nothing else that I could say about DJ Peters that hasn't been said about uh, by Wilson. But there is plenty that I can say about RotoWare. It's obviously our number one sponsor, 80 grade sponsor. They just came out with uh, their 80 grade T-shirt that, of course, is Kenneth underscore Cashman at Kenneth underscore Cashman on Twitter, as well as at RotoWare on Twitter, RotoWare.com. You can use the promo code SAGNOF. That's S-A-G-N-O-F. To get 20% off any of your purchases, he's got some new stuff coming out. He's got the Fly the Quality Start, which is obviously knocking the uh, Fly the W from the Cubs a little bit. That's an interesting one. Just got the 80 grade, which is all uh, like, you know, uh, checked off uh, tally marks with baseball bats equaling 80. Uh, he's got the advanced stats shirt that came out. He, of course, has the Crab Army shirt that is the exclusive. I think he's still got maybe one or two of those left. We're going to hop in there and uh, be an unofficial member of uh, the Raz 30 Crab Army Claws Up, everybody. But, uh, yeah, I mean, best quality T-shirts. Kenny does this, uh, you know, as his passion project. He is a full-time uh, artistic director for marketing companies, Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies, as well as uh, international nonprofits. So he takes his uh, professional expertise and puts it into his passion and I think you see it with the details, the materials, everything that he uses to make these T-shirts. Wilson, I don't know. Do you, do you have any uh, RotoWare shirts? I'll have to get you hooked up if you don't have any. I do not. No, I'm, I'm intrigued now, though. 
<laughs> good. Yeah, we'll, there you go. We'll, we'll hook you oh, up good with Kenny salesman. and get you something. I wonder if he has any Dodgers themed ones or, or anti Giants themed <laughs> ones. I guess maybe more apt. <laughs> He'll get you hooked up. We'll send you. We'll send you a crab shirt. Yeah, we'll, we'll make an honorary member. I like that. Um, uh, I, I would like to make Edwin Rios an honorary member of the Crab Army, Ralph. I don't know if that's possible. Yeah. Maybe we could send him a little invite if he wants to join up a fantasy league. But um, <laughs> I think it's possible. Yeah, you never know. Uh, Edwin Rios is, is a kind of a – we were talking about proximity a little bit ago with DJ Peters and kind of how that goes in his valuation. Edwin Rios is a guy who I expect to kind of get some looks in this coming season here. Um, lefty bat, um, similar actually to some extent what I was talking about with Verdugo and where he starts with an open stance and then kind of gets his momentum going forward. But the difference with Rios is that – he actually closes off his stance, and then he goes up into a leg lift. So as where Verdugo closes his stance and comes straight forward and building up his momentum, Rios is a little more interesting where he kind of has that almost like a stutter step. I don't know if it's a probably yeah, – that's probably not the right word. But he closes off his stance, and then he comes up. And I feel like to some extent it's a little bit unnecessary. But at the same time, when you look at it as a totality of his swing, I kind of like it. Overall, like it's a timing mechanism probably for the most part and obviously gets him in his back hip a little bit. But – um, I mean, it's a pretty legit bat. I mean, he he's a little bit older. He's 23, but I think that kind of plays into the fact that he's up in AAA. Um, 296, 386, 533 um, with a 22% strike rate and 10% walk rate. At, at AAA, it's pretty good. Like, he's made the jump. I really don't think there is too, too much more he can do. But passing this back to Wilson now, what exactly does this end up being at the major league level? Do you see him kind of being more of a fourth outfielder? Do you think he can kind of make an impact? Do you see any way that he ends up getting a full-time or even semi full time role at the major league level in the next couple of years, Wilson? Not not with the Dodgers. Um, I I love I love Edwin Rios. He's <laughs> uh, he has hit he hit the single most majestic home run that I've ever witnessed in person. <laughs> wow! Uh, I've I've got video of it. I'll share it with you after we're done oh, here. Yes. Um, awesome. He's. Uh, you know, his archetype is just so limited, right? He's like the quintessential on paper quad A slugger. He's extremely aggressive at the plate. He does not take a ton of pitches. He doesn't work counts. He doesn't walk that much. He's, you know, he's super fluid in his movements, but he's not very athletic at all. Um, he's just kind of slow. It's like sort of watching a dude field balls in, in slow motion. Um, he's played <laughs> third base. He's not a third baseman. He's okay at first. He catches balls that he can get to, but he's, you know, just not that he, he has no quick twitch about him whatsoever. Um, and then at the plate, like his swing is big and long and, and complex and, you know, all these things that tend to point to being the quad a dude, but he's just so fluid and beautiful in his swing. Like it's just such a, such a thing to watch. And the thing that has kind of impressed me in the time that he was at Rancho and he's carried this over too, is he's really good at, even when he's fooled using his strength and understanding his body to be able to fight balls off, dump them over the shortstop's head when he gets sawed off and just live to fight another day when he gets beaten on something down low, he'll foul it off. Um, he's got a real knack for just getting the barrel to the ball. And when he opens up and turns on a ball, it's just, it's just incredible. Uh, he's got a very good raw power that plays pretty well. Um, you know, I, I <laughs> the, the realistic outcome here in a best case scenario is like a Mark Trumbo style, like all slugger, no, no walk rate and very limited 
defensive ability, uh, which in today's game is, is not as valuable as it used to be, but you still need to get your dingers from somewhere. And if you're playing in a deep enough league and you've got cornermen and you've got utility guys, like he's, he's a guy that you can plug in there. I, I don't see him really carving out a career in LA. Uh, I think he'll be best served playing in an American league team where you can start him at first base. You can, maybe in an emergency throw him out there at third but you can dh him um and he can just he can do what he does he can just rip for you um he's he of of that profile of guy i just like i trust his swing and his approach to to getting barrel the ball a little bit more than most guys it's still a very high risk profile um but the, the power is legit and he can get to it at every level so far. Let's see if he can get to it at the big leagues. <laughs> and Ralph, going back to you, you know, Wilson kind of alluded to there the fact that he kind of likes him a little more in an AL park and possibly eventually molding into that DH role. What do you think the return on a guy like this is? If you're the Dodgers and you're looking, are you looking for, you know, like a, like a Brad Handish kind of guy where they just kind of need that reliever sitting on a bad team that they're willing to give up more or less than that. What is kind of your perception on, on Rios long-term and, and also, I guess, follow up to that. How much do you think that kicks up his value as a prospect for fantasy leagues? I, I'd be Brad hand. I'd be shocked if he fetched Joe Kelly, to be quite honest. Really? With you. I mean, <laughs> Am I going well, let's, look, let's look at the market. <laughs> let's, let's look. Uh, I, I think Brad hand's awesome, but, um, it, w- let's look at the value of these sort of players, even when they're like fully maxed out, like JD Martinez signed for undervalue recently with the Red Sox. And there weren't too many teams bidding on him. And if you remember back at the trade deadline, I mean, he scored like, you know, depth pieces in terms of prospects. And I just don't think a guy like this with sort of the quad a wonder and oh, unless it was the Orioles, the Orioles would trade for <laughs> Rios. He would fit in perfectly with Mancini and, uh, and Austin Hayes and Adam and, and Adam Jones. It's like, he is, he is such an Oriole. It's shocking that they haven't <laughs> traded like Ryan Mountcastle for him yet. Or like Tanner Scott and like, then like three other arms. Like we're going to trade you everybody with talent. And, and let's just hope that they do this so they can get some of those arms out of that system into an, into an organization like the Dodgers that can actually turn them into something. But it's yeah, Rio, Ash, uh, trade is going to happen in July, man. That's it. That's it right there. Hunter, Hunter <laughs> Harvey exactly, and Dodger they're gonna, Blue. <laughs> they're going to get, they're going to get Edwin Rios, but he's a, he's an AL player. Um, he'd be perfect for Oakland, but I think they're talented enough that I now going to have to now say, it's he's a Tampa player because that's exactly they've now <laughs> they become Oakland Gomez, two three years ago you know post post Josh Donaldson trade Oakland is now Tampa Bay uh, where they're just giving away players for for no apparent reason whatsoever but uh, yeah I think Rios has to end up as a second division regular if he's going to make it, his bones as a fantasy player but his swing is majestic I think it's the extension on the swing and sort of uh, the, the angle that he comes through the yeah. zone on. Cause, cause it's not flat at all. It, de- it reminds me of, uh, this is maybe crazy, but it reminds me of Adrian Gonzalez. I can huh. see that, man. It's oh, a yeah, similar watch, body type too. Watch some tape of Adrian Gonzalez's swing. And, uh, I think especially earlier when he was with the Padres and I think you'll see some similarities there. He doesn't have the, the plate discipline, uh, at least from like a walk standpoint that Gonzalez had. Um, but I do think that he doesn't, he doesn't he, he doesn't strike out a lot. He doesn't get fooled by breaking balls all the time either. So he does sort of have that uh, that hitting acumen that you look for, that baseline sort of hit tool. I, I really hope that he carves out a niche. I'm hoping that he's not turning into my new 
Dan Vogelbach fascination from a few years ago. I hope he's not in the outfield version of Dan Vogelbach. I agree with that. No, that'd be scary. <laughs> that'd be terrifying. <laughs> uh, jumping over to another outfielder now that uh, we've comboed up all these outfielders here between Heredia Peters and Rios, but one of the other ones, the Cuban one here, is Eustiel Diaz. So he's an outfielder, a little bit more on the toolsy side. He had a pretty terrible stolen base rate in, uh, in the minor leagues, which I was a little bit concerned with. But I feel like that happened with Kendall, too. It seems like a lot of the guys on the Dodgers, for some reason, have really high cost-stealing rates. I'm not really sure if that's like a a thing overall or whether they're just gambling a ton but I, it's probably not too predictive or anything like that i wouldn't be too too concerned but uh diaz had 11 home runs in around uh just under 500 i think plate appearances um to me it seems like a little bit more on the gap power side of things i actually thought that it was more kind of actually in-game present power from just seeing his swing before kind of looking at the stats um in terms of what he was actually getting in terms of ISO and his home run percentage and et cetera. But uh, he slashed 278, 343, 414 in high A. And I, I like his bat speed a lot, I have to say. They've made a lot of adjustments with his swing, too, and almost so much fundamentally that it's really hard to even describe them. So I think that I'm not even going to try to. I'd rather just kind of punt to you watching the video. It's, it, it's, it's not like a very simple thing, like, you know, what they're doing with Heredia and trying to change his hands. And even Jerry Kendall's was really simple in how they opened him up and, and brought his hands out. But um, Diaz kind of really just fundamentally changed what he was looking like. And it was just through one season, too. And um, I'm interested to see overall how much this gap power can actually turn into home run power and actually play up the major league level. Potentially, he's a little bit younger. And, again, we're looking at another outfielder here, the Dodgers. So... I mean, pick your poison with which one of these guys you actually think can end up being a relatively interesting fantasy ass, or, or more, I guess, appropriate. Pick your poison on which you think you could be traded and have an, a substantial increase in value if they could actually find him a role. So I want to kick this back to Wilson here and kind of get his thoughts overall. Tell us your impressions, if you saw him at all, or kind of what you think overall about Yusniel Diaz. I got a ton of looks at Yusniel Diaz in two seasons. Um, mm-hmm. And when you talk about swing changes, like he showed up, in April of last year with a completely revamped swing from where he was at the end of 2016. And that lasted for about six weeks. And then they completely revamped. Um, the, the statistics mean absolutely nothing for him for the first half of the year this year. Um, and you know, uh, from June on, he absolutely raked, he put up about an 850 OPS 900 somewhere in there between high A and double A. Um, He's he's great. He's just a he's one of those perpetually underrated tool sets where he just does everything well. He's a really smart player. He's a really adaptive player. He'll try new things, um, and he's smart enough to incorporate adjustments and 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 learn on the fly and and produce at the same time. Um, I, I don't think he's ever going to be a superstar by any stretch of the imagination, but he's just a good ball player and he's going to get better and better and better. It's not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to be linear in the minor leagues. Um, but he's a guy that I look to for like, like a Brett Gardner kind of value career. He's not going to be as fast and steal as many bases as Gardner, but he's like going to be that kind of mold of player where it's like every year, you're looking up and he's returning 15, 18, 20 bucks in mixed league value. And you're like, how the hell did he do that? <laughs> um, he's, he's, he's just that sort of well-rounded player. He does a lot of things really well. He's a very good hitter. He's a very instinctual hitter. He's been able to succeed in, in different bat paths and different swing types and all that so far at a very young age. 
and incorporating all the cultural adjustments and everything else. Uh, the Dodgers are very high on him internally and just on his, his acumen as a, as a person, as much as a player. Um, and I, I, I think he's going to have a very long and productive career in the major leagues where again, like it's just going to be one of those, it's not going to be one of those assets that you're going to seek out in dynasty leagues, but in especially deeper ones, it's going to be one where like, he's just going to be a consistent outfield three that's just going to produce and produce and produce year in and year out. I, I, I like him a lot. I think he's not ever going to fetch a ton of value as a prospect and, and he's never going to be a guy that you're going to, you know, center a trade around at this stage of his career, certainly, um, or at any stage potentially of his career. But I think he's going to be a valuable fantasy player for a, a number of years and a nice long career. The adaptation point you bring up, Wilson, about him is is probably underlying one of the things I think I like about him most and what we've seen. You mentioned that he changed up his swing a ton, and I noticed that too. And honestly, it's just it was so much I couldn't, as I said, I couldn't even really describe it. I was just like, that doesn't even look like the same player. I think I like <laughs> jump between YouTube videos to make sure that I didn't like spell his name wrong. I was like, this is the same guy, right? Like this is a completely different hitter. So the adaptation side of him, I mean, as you're saying, culturally too, as opposed to just the mechanics of what he's done. I I love that in guys like this. I love guys who are willing to change so quickly and. That seems to be something that the, the Dodgers are always tinkering with in the minor leagues. And, and I feel like almost every single one of these guys were bringing up some adjustment they made. And I think that's extremely, extremely valuable, especially when it's that noticeable that they're willing to put in that time to kind of change their skill set and, and progress them as a player. And I mean, for the Do- from the Dodgers' perspective, too, possibly make them a more valuable trade chip in the future for them to kind of return some major league talent and compete, et cetera. The, the, psych- the circle of life to some extent, Ralph. Um, <laughs> I want to pass this back to you, Ralph, to talk before I, I kind of swoon over a player who I had ranked 35 out of 100 overall on my prospect list last year. Yadier Alvarez, one of the original guys who, you know, you could tag that easy velo on. Just his mechanics are just something I still fall in love with every time I watch him. <laughs> and I, feel, I, I know the results weren't great. He lost his command. A lot of people kind of project him out as more of a reliever, whatever, 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 whatever. But I still really like him as a starter, and I don't know why. And I know that deviates from what a lot of evaluators are going to say on him. But the mechanics for me are just so clean. I really like projecting that change up out with his arm speed and his action overall. I think that's one of the bigger things that maybe some people are missing. I don't know if I'm right on this. I have not seen him live. We'll disclose that. But I, I like Alvarez a lot. I always have. I've been enamored with the velocity. I remember the first time I watched him. And I saw him pitch, and, and then I heard that the, the gun hit 100. I was like, there's no way he just threw 100. It's just It's so low effort. It's like, you know, we're talking about Verdugo has, like, a low heartbeat, as you mentioned, Wilson. Yadier Alvarez has, like, a low heartbeat in his mechanics. And, you know, it's a live, live, easy arm. And I, I think that's, at the end of the day, what I love. But, Ralph, you got to talk about the ledge here. Is this more of a reliever? Is this more of a starter long-term for the Dodgers? My my one concern with Alvarez, and I think it's sort of like approach with hitters, that that's always a baseline for me when I'm differentiating between really talented players. And my issue with Alvarez is he's had trouble ever since he was in Cuba throwing strikes consistently. The easy velo is there. It's easy to fall in love with. The talent is there. And I think that Wilson and, and, and you know the guys that work for Baseball Perspectives make, make a really good case of, you know, it's small tweaks in this game, and he sort of has that mold of clay or whatever you want to say that it's really small for him to make that next step. He has a really nice breaking ball in the slider, easy velocity in the fastball. I know that people have said that it's a little bit straight, but, you know, when you're hitting 100, it can be kind of straight. And that's one of the things that people have said about Otani. I think it's very similar. Uh, it'd be nice if he developed the changeup. 
I think he needs that third pitch if he's going to be a starter long term. But uh, ultimately, if he ended up as a you know high leverage back of the bullpen elite arm, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, you know, Dylan Bentance is sort of a, a player, you know, whether he's a setup guy or a closer, but just an elite power arm at the, at the back end of a bullpen. I think he can do that too. Um, but the ceiling is, is frontline starter if he figures everything out. And I, I don't know if Wilson would back it or not. I'm sure he would because I know he's, he's pretty high on Alvarez. And I drilled him a little bit when the baseball prospectus list came out and was like, why is Michelle Baez lower or higher? You know, <laughs> why is Alvarez higher than Michelle Baez? This is bullshit. I, I don't want to deal with it. His secondaries are better and he throws more strikes. I don't care what level. Come on. But that's only because I'm Michelle Baez's agent the same way I was, I was Reese Hoskins' You're agent. Papa Baez. <laughs> yeah, I'm learning that I'm Gary Sanchez's agent this year too. So <laughs> I love it. Well, yeah, Wilson, I actually want to pass this back to you on Ra- Alvarez. And I want to ask almost a little bit more of a technical question here. So Ralph mentions that he, that Alvarez has had some problems with the with his command, basically, like command control, whatever you want to categorize it as. I think he has a bit of control, probably working more so on the command. But I, I'm interested in a guy, I don't know if you agree in, in my kind of love for how clean his mechanics are, but with a guy that has this clean mechanics and this easy of velocity, is it concerning to you at all that he can't throw strikes consistently? Yeah, you ever seen like a like a golden retriever puppy? Yeah, it's got those, it's got those like big, it's got like those big feet and it just sort of like loops <laughs> along over them. And like, you know, you can tell that like in a couple of years, it's going to be an efficient machine and like be able to run really fast and stuff. But now it just kind of looks goofy. Um, that's, that's kind of the scene with Alvarez. Like he's, he's this big dude who, yeah, his, his like baseline physicality is really impressive. He's super fluid and super easy. He throws 98, like he's tossing a, you know, bottle cap into the trash can, but like, it just, it, it's a little off in his delivery every time his fine command is not there yet. He hasn't really learned how to harness his, his body yet. Um, and he's the kind of guy that I look at struggling as he did this year as like not the worst thing in the world. Um, because number one, it instills a, Oh shit, I got to work really hard at this, huh? Kind of wake up call to a guy like that. And number two, it's like, he's going to be another year more mature physically this year. And I see him as the kind of profile, uh, and as the kind of pitcher that, that really needs that fully mature physicality to be able to have it all click. The raw stuff is there. His slider will flash nastiness, but he's super inconsistent with it right now because his timing to slot, his timing to release, his hip rotation, like none of that really syncs up uh, consistently right now. Um, same thing with his changeup. Like he's, he, he didn't have to throw it that much at the lower levels. He didn't really spend that much time and effort developing it yet, but his arm speed is there and his actions are there to where you can see it developing once he starts to put in the time and the work and get the reps and and grow into his body and his timing and stuff. Um, I'll be a lot more concerned about a reliever tag for him if he comes out this year and struggles in a similar way, um, that would be an indication that, you know, maybe it's just not there for him. Maybe he doesn't have that kind of next gear of, uh, of ability to adjust and, and find himself within his body. But for now, uh, I thought this last year, despite its top line ugliness and it's, it's, 
problems with execution was a pretty positive one. He got all the way up to double A, striking out a batter an inning. The raw stuff is what it is. Now he knows what he needs to do to go about uh, harnessing it and, and channeling it into being a more consistent pitcher. Um, so I, he's a guy that I look at this year as a very big swing year in his development. Uh, he knows his negatives. He knows what he's capable of. And now it's on him to make the adjustments and, and, and become the player that he can be. And yeah, he Ralph's absolutely right. If he, if he comes together, the stuff is front line. I mean, he's got the just sort of easy, natural fastball and natural movement on his slider that that can devastate hitters on both sides of the plate. Um, but without that kind of development of that next gear of fine command and consistency, he's not going to get there. The good news is that even if he doesn't, the stuff is good enough that he can play in a bullpen for anybody. Mm-hmm. And how does he compare to, back to Wilson here, uh, a guy like Dustin May, obviously a little bit different of a pitcher. Yeah. May is, is a, a little bit different of a pitcher. I mean, aesthetically, they're <laughs> they're polar opposites of each other. Dustin May is carrot top hair, who Wilson and Ralph inform me is not the carrot top I remember from years ago. So I, I'm sure. hesitant to look up a picture of him. But uh, <laughs> but uh, um, Dustin May, uh, I'm going to pass this back to Wilson now. Uh, interesting guy overall from look side, obviously, but also come from kind of how he projects out. I know there's some kind of hope around him eventually becoming a starter and possibly getting a changeup going. I'm not sure how much I'd like the projection on his changeup as opposed to a guy like Alvarez. Like I like Alvarez's potential for a decent changeup much more than Mays, just because Mays' arm slot's a little bit funky, and I, I think that he has going to have some problems with lefties as he goes up through the major leagues, um, if he can get up to the major leagues, etc. But he's fastball slider right now, and it's, it's a really good combination. And to righties, it's devastating from that slot he comes out of. But he's a super lanky guy. He's pretty funky overall. And uh, give us your thoughts on, uh, on Dustin May, Wilson. Yeah, uh, I I don't know what to make of Dustin May. <laughs> I saw him throw two starts at the end of the season last year, and we we got a ton of looks at him at Great Lakes. There's a there's a number of folks on on the Baseball Perspective staff that are extremely high on him. Um, I think we had him ranked fifth in the Dodgers system. Um, he he's a tough body to read. He's very very lanky. And I'm not sure that he's ever going to add all that much weight to him. So he's always going to face these kind of like beanpole durability questions that go with that. Uh, the the comp that I keep coming back to over and over that I can't shake is, is Bronson Arroyo. Uh, he's got the same kind of like long, lean, long levered kind of vibe to him. He, he can change his slots. He's got the high kind of goofy leg kick to him. Um, it's, it's a lot of moving parts that he can kind of control consistently harness better than you think he's going to be able to when you first see him. Um, and I'm curious to see how he physically develops and how that interacts with his ability to harness the moving parts in his delivery. Um, the, the raw stuff's great. He, he hits the mid nineties already. He uses his lower half really effectively to, to get down the hill and generate an organic velocity without leaning too hard on his shoulder or stressing himself too much. Um, so there's, there's some good, you know, there's some good material to work with there. His slider bites pretty good. He comes from a very deceptive arm slot right now, uh, on the regular. And then, yeah, as I mentioned, you can kind of change it up a little bit too. Um, so there's, there's, there's some cool, cool raw material there. It's, it's just a, it's a fairly unique body and a fairly unique, 
kind of delivery within that body. Um, so there's not a lot of comp to look at. There's not a lot of like, <laughs> like, Oh, this is how this guy filled out. We can expect this too. I, I am just, he's a very unique pitcher that I think we're going to have to be patient with as a dynasty asset. It's kind of like a emoticon shruggy guy. Like I, I just don't know what <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kind of agree with that there. I think it is a pretty hard guy to value as far as dynasty leagues go. Probably one of those later picks that you just really hope can turn to a starter as opposed to coming yeah, off we'll a reliever. See. But I mean, you never know. Maybe he ends up being a pretty good reliever because the slider's not bad right now, and I could kind of see that playing up a little bit. Uh, Ralph, your thoughts on Carrot Top here? <laughs> yeah, on Dustin May, and I think you should Google that Carrot Top picture just so I can see on air your oh, God. A- absolutely like a gassed face of like how <laughs> grotesque looking Carrot Top is now. But uh, yeah, I, now that he said Bronson Arroyo, it's going to stick with me yeah. forever. It's, um, it's in there, absolutely. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he has that like projectable right hander frame where you know you think he can add a little bit more velocity i don't know if he's necessarily going to add weight but i I don't have a problem with a pitcher being sort of slight of build if he's sort of long and lanky get extensions you know uh, extension on his mechanics and all that sort of stuff and i think that from that standpoint may has it he's once again i keep coming back to this with the dodgers but he's in a good player development organization i really hope that he can develop that third pitch because i think ultimately that unlocks you know, the, the sort of uh, uh, next level where his ceiling ultimately lies if he's going to be a, a really good number three, potentially a number two if it all clicks. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's more going to be a, a good number three or a number four with maybe a little bit of strikeout potential. But um, I think the emoji comment is probably spot on with uh, <laughs> May a little bit because he's 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 sort of tough to evaluate. That he could take a big jump next year if he adds that change up, and um, you know, just maybe velocity ticks up a little bit, and he's just throwing strikes and just you know absolutely comes out and just pushes. And you know, his first ten to eleven starts, and you know, guys' prospect stock just jumps. Uh, he was relatively impressive for the age and the level, and I think he was across the leaderboard in the Midwest League, if I'm not mistaken, and pretty much most of the statistical uh, categories. So, you know, ratios included. So he had a really good season and uh, I think it's a lot to build off of. And the Dodgers have done a good job of uh, if not developing their pitchers, at least uh, boosting up their status like Jose De Leon to the point that uh, they can then trade them for a King's ransom or something. Yeah, absolutely. And we're getting pretty late here. So I do want to kind of wrap up, but um, I will go through kind of the back half of your guys' list here, just so people know. So Ralph at six, you had DJ Peters at seven was Rios Eight was using mm-hmm. on Diaz. Nine was Jaron Kendall. Ten was Yadier Alvarez. And 11 was Dustin May, who we just went over. Uh, Wilson, your list at, starting at five was using on Diaz at five. DJ Peters at six. Um, Yadier Alvarez at seven. Edwin Rios at eight. Mitchell White at nine. And then Will Smith, who we kind of alluded to briefly, another catching prospect. A little bit less on the bat side of things. Really compact swing from the right side. But uh, again, another one of these defensive catchers who just is really good. And they're kind of stacking all these guys between between Grindal, who is a really good framer, um, Austin Barnes, who plays all over the diamond, then you got Keeper Ruiz, and it's just, like, unbelievable. They have basically four catchers in this system. Um, and and then Connor Wong. And Connor, Connor Wong, Wong, too, yeah. That's another guy. That's another one. Yeah. He's, he's heavily overlooked, and I feel like he's another guy where if you put him in a lot of their systems, he's probably, like, a top 13-ish kind of guy, 12-ish guy, yeah. but here he's outside of the top 15 just because of how stacked it is. Um, you took him in our 30 team. I did, yeah. I snuck him in there. There was no one else to choose, and I, I remember seeing him out, and I think it was – maybe he was on that Great Lakes team. I'm trying to think. Think back. I, my memory only goes like six months, so. <laughs> but, uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, Great Will, Lakes. 
Great Lakes. Uh, Wilson, you had Heredia at 11, and then you had Dustin May at 12. So rounding out the back end of this list here, we have a duo of Santanas. We have Will Smith, Gavin Lux, um, Drew Jackson, as we're going deeper into Wilson's list here, Carlos Rincon, Omar Estevez, Jordan Sheffield. Um, I'm going to pass it back to you, Wilson. Give me kind of your general impression on one or two of these guys that stands out to you. I know I like that as Santana just from the fact that he is a he's a converted shortstop to pitcher. Um, he had a home run in Double A this year, which was kind of cool, and he also had a ton of people. He probably has still some command issues, but I think a lot of people tag him as kind of the uh, possibly their apparent Kenley Jansen, which I know alluded to earlier in this podcast. But you know, pick and choose any of these guys you want. Give me kind of your rundown if you've seen any of them, if they've stood out to you, if you actually think any of these guys could jump up as some of these other prospects graduate. Um, just kind of wrap up the back half of your list here for me, if you don't mind, Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Santana's cool. He he still throws like a shortstop. They, the Dodgers uh, spent a lot of time on him this year, getting him to throw a little bit less across his body. He's still across his body, and it, it works to his advantage. His, his fastball just explodes on guys, and he was beating people with it all year at high A. Moved up to double A. He had an excellent start right down the stretch or the first game of the playoff, somewhere around there for for Tulsa. I, I like him a lot as a relief arm. His, his ball moves a ton. Um, he can generate ground balls he's got a decent slider that's still pretty raw just because he's pretty raw as a pitcher um but you know not not as relevant as a fantasy guy necessarily but as a real life like cool value reliever with a lot of uh a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff in his storyline and the whole thing he's uh he's a good guy to root for um drew jackson is a guy that the dodgers got for a bag of baseballs from seattle he's a stanford swing guy that uh just you know was 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 terrible his hitting mechanics. He was at Modesto uh, when Seattle was still in Modesto uh, two years ago. Uh, so I've gotten a couple of years of him in the Cal League now. And he made uh, significant adjustments last year to get deeper off his back legs, start adding some leverage. He hit some balls pretty hard last year. He's a big, strong kid. He's a really fast runner, uh, good defender. He could develop into a very solid utility player if he continues to integrate the adjustments that he made last year. Um, Rincon, who the hell knows? He's another one of those dudes down at, at low A that's just like a bonus baby, ton of power, could come together, could not. Um, Matt Beatty is a guy that uh, we've got a couple dudes on the prospect team that are, are big fans of some of the swing changes that he made. He had a really big year at double A last year in Tulsa. He did not look good uh, when I saw him at Rancho a couple years ago. Uh, he has completely overhauled his offensive approach in game since then. Um, really produced well in Tulsa last year. He can be a guy that can kind of play all over the diamond, both corners on the infield, both corners on the outfield. Sort of one of those versatility guys with a decent bat that the Dodgers tend to tend to like and tend to be able to plug into places. Um, <laughs> the, the, the last guy that I'll talk about is arguably my favorite prospect of the Cal League <laughs> this year, uh, Ibondel Isabel, uh, first baseman for the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, who has easy 80 grade power. He swings harder than any human I have ever seen swing, uh, including with two strikes uh, in any situation. And he, of the 20 farthest balls I've ever seen hit in batting practice, he's probably hit 12 of them. Um, he just, just, just destroys the ball. He crushes one on the screws, but 
boy, does he take some nasty looking swings in game. I, I doubt that he'll ever, ever, ever hit nearly enough to crack a big league roster for any more than a couple of days. But if he does, uh, he might provide some of that fun Willie Mo Pena in his prime <laughs> kind of fun. Yeah, uh, kid. Yeah, but that's that's all that's about all I got on him. He's just a fun dude to watch some uh, some YouTube video of if you get a, ch- a chance to do so. I'm gonna cue that up. I don't think I've seen any of him, and he's got an 80 grade name as opposed to 80 grade power potential. You're talking about here, yeah. <laughs> um, Ralph. I'll pass it back to you. You want to touch any of the Santanas here? Will Lutz, Gavin yes. Lux, anyone? I'm gonna jump in. Spiel? I'm gonna jump in on Christian Santana. And I want to say yeah. happy 21st birthday, Christian Santana, because it's hey. gonna come out on Saturday hey, on nice. his 21st birthday. So there you go. It's a good. It was a good pickup by me. But uh, I love this kid. Um, the approach Jeff definitely needs to develop, but he's relatively raw. Spent, you know, two or three years in rookie ball and uh, finally played, I guess, at a full season level, though he started the year in the Pioneer League. But, you know, legitimate, I would say, 60 grade power here. He's got power to all fields. He does have field to hit, though he does need to sort of develop his approach, take, uh, you know, a few more pitches. You know, if he's if he's going to develop as he as he goes up the ladder, uh, legitimate third base defense. He's got a very good arm. I think he could be a plus a plus defender at third base um, from everything that I've watched and you know, caught a couple of games of his in the Midwest League. And uh, I think he's a really interesting player and another one of these guys that the Dodgers just seem to just churn out every year. Somebody who's really exciting. And uh, there seems to be a lack of sort of um, depth third baseman. You know, outside of like the top five guys like Vlad Jr. and you know some of these other third basemen, Senzel, if he's still going to be a third baseman, that are, you know are incredibly valuable and sort of sexy from a fantasy perspective. And then there sort of drops off after Austin Riley. And uh, I feel like this is this is one of those guys that's sort of lingering really late in drafts, dynasty startups, um, first year player drafts, even just hanging around the waiver wire in deeper leagues that. You could take a flyer on and, uh, you know, he's got power and he's got the defense that might bring him along. So he's kind of an interesting player. Like I said, if he can develop a little bit of a pr- approach and mature a little bit more at the plate. I love it. Um, I think we've kind of wrapped this up. Um, we, we went through a ton of guys here and I feel like we dug in pretty well. We got we got Wilson Saucers, I think was the key thing here. And then it's always good to kind of get that firsthand experience and guys that you've seen. Exactly. I, I love getting that and kind of just. Hashing out, obviously, the things that me and Ralph might be missing from tape and stats alone and such. But, uh, Wilson, I'm going to pass it back to you, man. If you got anything to plug, tell people where you write, where they could find you, where they could follow you, et cetera. And, uh, and whatever else you want, man, the floor is yours. Uh, cheers, gentlemen. I appreciated you uh, having me on tonight. Yeah, no, I'm at, uh, at Vocal Javelins on Twitter. Uh, it's an it's a homage to a public enemy lyric, uh, Vocal Javelins. Uh, and then you can always find me on Baseball Perspectives. I do uh, a column every year around this time each week uh, when we're doing our uh, positional series on very, very deep league stuff. Uh, so our, our fearless leader, Brett Sayre, will do a top 50 of each position for dynasty leagues and then i do the next stow 30 to 40 on top of that below that um and for outfielders i just ran through about 50 guys on top of his 125 top prospects at the position so if you play in a very deep league like ralph and i do uh that's a good spot for you and then once we get into actual baseball season i'll be covering the cal league uh like always I love it. Love it. Ralph, where can people find you? Happy birthday again, my friend. Yeah, cheers. Happy birthday, man. Thanks a lot, man. It's uh, it's very special being able to talk about the Dodgers where uh, 
my family when they immigrated to this country came into Brooklyn. So uh, I have some long ties to the Dodgers. They're my sneaky kind of favorite team because I have a love-hate relationship with the Red Sox, mostly because <laughs> I, I, I live and work and love a lot of Red Sox fans. So it's easy to hate Red Sox and Red Sox fans. Uh, everybody on this podcast has lived or worked in Boston at one point in time. So they totally understand what I'm talking about. But you can find me on Twitter, at Prospect Jesus. Uh, I've been going through all 30 systems. I'm going to ramp up my writing a little bit from uh, once a week and two podcasts to two times a week, maybe three so I can bang out the rest of these systems. I'm excited to get my top 100 out. Uh, but there's a reason that I kind of wait on my top 100. I do one at the end of the season. I do one mid-season at the All-Star break. Uh, but I also typically wait into March because I've learned from Alex Reyes. I've now learned from Paris <laughs> Whitley. And I've learned from Brett Audiwell that you don't want to put it out too early because then these guys blow their arms out or get suspended for taking drugs in the car. And uh, there you go. So... <laughs> Another great Smart week. Bro. Thanks for coming on, Wilson. Lance, where can the people find you? I'm on Twitter as well, at Lance Brosdow, B-R-O-Z-D-O-W. It's the last seven letters of my last name. I'm writing for Razzball. I have a column that comes out afternoon Eastern Standard Time on Mondays. That's kind of a sandbox. I'll dig into basically whatever I feel like digging into, and that's a lot of fun. And um, Yeah, I'll be podcasting with Ralph through the season, Big3Sports.com. This is a site I run. I'll do a lot of my stuff up there, and you'll find that content kind of spattered throughout. But Twitter is the main way to get in touch with me, and at Razzball is the big, best way to get in touch with the Razzball crew, Razzball.com. We got stuff all the time, a couple columns a day, and that'll be kicking up a ton. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us, everyone, to Wilson, to everyone who's listening, to Ralph for joining us on his birthday. He's got a long weekend coming up here, so we hope that we see you on Monday not too, too hungover, Ralph. Um, uh, well, I guess we'll kind of see uh, where, where the birthdays trend, uh, but, uh, <laughs> thanks again to everyone for joining us on the Reservoir Prospect podcast. We hope you enjoy your weekend. Take care. Yeah, yeah.